Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Two Brothers, One Mike, Season 6, Episode 7. Today we're going to be talking about, well, really we're going to be giving our thoughts and some opinions on whether or not kids have an easier time quitting today. I know some things may be looking a little bit different on my end. I'm going through some changes with my offices, and so this is just the way it's going to be, folks. I've told you for how many episodes, it's a green screen, and uh, couldn't quite figure out how to get that thing to fit today. So, you know what? I think it's better we at least give you an episode, and I don't really think anybody's watching to look at my pretty background. Tony, how you doing today? I, I tell you what, uh, if uh, forget how I'm doing today. If this is what's on my mind, if this is the show uh, that uh, goes viral, uh, you're going to be doing it from that exact spot with that exact thing sitting behind you from here on out. Um, there will be no studio in the future. <laughs> it will. Did you? I, we love Joe's setup. We love Joe's setup. And then everyone starts changing their own offices to look just like yours. And like if that happens, yeah, if that happens, you are stuck with that setup right there for the rest of the um, duration of T-Bomb. Uh, is it feng, feng, shui, feng Shui? Isn't that, that's like a style, right? I guess. It'd be like, really, never mind Feng Shui. We're going to do Joe Sarge. Just put a green screen behind us at all times. Yeah. Joe Sarge. 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 Joe Sarge. It sounds so much more, you know what I mean? Gucci, Sarge. You know, it's almost, you know, it sounds very Target, you know, Target. Uh, that's a trigger word these days, right? Um, and so we'll leave that there with Bud Light. Um, and there's the end of our political part of the show today, folks. We just like to throw words out there and get get some people wound up and then we just leave you out there to dry. We're not going to even talk about that stuff today. I think I'm going to start uh, putting, I'm going to, I'm going to start putting those words like in our keywords, in our, in our descriptions. Those are just yeah. popping up. Like, what are they talking about? Oh, know, it would be a total clickbait, total clickbait. But anyways. Sadly, <laughs> sadly. Uh, but hey, whatever works, whatever sure. works, I guess. Sure. So we're, we're talking about, yeah, yeah, we're talking about quitting today when it, when it's an aspect that, that, we're just giving our opinion on Joe. So it's it's more about um, do we allow kids to quit too easy? But but there's more than that. Um, it's more about what what are the different dynamics, you know, that that are set up that allow kids to think this or, or to allow us to be okay with it. And is it so much more now today than it was before? I, I this is my own personal opinion. I think it's the same thing. I don't think it's changed from the 70s and the 80s or the 40s and the 50s to just past the year 2000 and now into 2020. Uh, and here we are in 2023, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are listening to this same episode in 2043, where it will still be sitting in the Two Brothers, One Mike podcast reel. Again, I say this all the time, Joe. It's what I love about podcasting. These shows never go away. All you got to do is like the price is right rule. Just spin through. Which one do you want? Pick one in from episode one that aired April 7th, 2021. Actually, we had three episodes that aired that day. Yes. Uh, all the way until present day. This show will be airing, I believe, on July the 5th, 2023. And it'll still be relevant 15 years after that. Uh, this is a concept that I think is always going to be relevant when it comes to are we allowing our kids to quit too easy and what are the dynamics? Um I do have an off the cuff I want to talk about at the end of the show, but I also know that there's some 70s and 80s stuff here that I think reigns uh, with the, it, it sits right there with the word quit. 
It's it, it's never giving up and being resilient and not quitting and and giving up. And all, we're going to find out that giving up and quitting might be two different things, by the way, as this show goes on. But I mean, Joe, let me, let me ask you a question. When it comes to, a, let's say, a 70s, 80s movie, uh, which which has gone on into another, uh, it's, it has another title now, right? Um, but but they all can tie together. Who's sure. the one character that never quit and gave up, in your own personal opinion, uh, back in the 70s and 80s? Ayo, Adrian. Yeah, I mean. Hey, uh, Rocky. Yeah. You can't go wrong. Rocky never quit. He had every reason to quit. And was that because of his background? That's what you have to think about. I mean, when you think about it, he didn't grow up in the greatest uh, of homes. He talks about that uh, in, in Rocky One and Rocky Two. He uh, led a lifestyle that wasn't exactly uh, admirable, you know, ad- admirable, <laughs> admirable. Um, he broke legs, right? Uh, for people who weren't paying their debts to whoever it was he was working for, can't remember that guy's name. That uh, you know, probably probably Carmine or Vito. <laughs> oh boy there's a now you triggered now you triggered our friends um so uh you know when it comes to that rocky was definitely somebody who i mean when you think about it had every reason to quit but didn't quit you know and so some people say well that's because of when he grew up that's because some people say well he had no no other choice but to get up and fight that's just how he was built some people say it was in his dna um, there's there nobody and there's no wrong answer there. It's just how we all, you know, how we all seen that movie and we watch it and how we apply it to our own lives. So many people apply. As a matter of fact, Rocky was in a way written about Sylvester Stallone's life. Uh, not so much him as a boxer, but just him as a, an actor writer and what he was going through and what he had. Uh, basically, what I, I believe he sold his dog. Just to 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 get by while he wrote the the script of Rocky, and then he bought the dog back. Um, I think I don't know for how much more money than he than he sold it for. I can't remember how the story went, but Buckus that's in the movie for those of you who didn't know that uh, that's actually his dog that he bought back um, right before uh, Rocky came out, Rocky One. So that's an interesting dynamic there. That's an interesting story, I should say, on how that dynamic worked. Uh, anybody who's seen any of the movies. Uh, in uh, the greatest uh, uh, movie era ever, uh, the 70s and 80s, as people maybe cheer, got up and cheered just now, or they cringed and said that's not true. Hoosiers is a fantastic movie when it comes to never giving up, never quitting. Uh, based on a true story uh, about that small school in Indiana that won a state championship, um, Rudy uh, was also based on a true story. Um, all about Daniel Rudiger uh, and his journey in playing for the Fighting Irish in Notre Dame. He was every bit of maybe 5'7", every bit of 155 pounds, uh, with not a lick of athletic talent as it was put in the movie, but had a dream and went after it, never quit, almost quit. He had the right people, though, that kept chirping in his ear to keep pushing him and driving him in the right direction. So sometimes that makes the difference also, Joe. Do we have the right people supporting us? If you don't have that person chirping in your ear to remind you about why you're doing what you're doing, why you have that desire and that dream to do what you're doing, it's a lot easier to quit. It's a lot easier to give up, I should say, which again, we're going to learn from our own personal opinion 
the way we look at it, giving up and quitting may be two different things. Uh, I'm trying to think of what, you know, the Shawshank Redemption is another movie about never, never quitting. Did you ever see the Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, like a hundred times. I mean, you talk about yeah. per- perseverance. Uh, yeah. the, how long uh, was he digging that Andy. hole? Yeah. <laughs> how long uh, was he digging that hole? I, mean, uh, I don't know. Quite some time, uh, and he never gave up. <laughs> never gave up. He never gave up. I uh, that, that was man was out a fantastic movie. Tim Robbins, right, and and Morgan Freeman, uh, and a, a slew of other actors in that movie. Um, I can't remember the gentleman who played the warden. He was fantastic. Um, but that's another movie about never giving up. I, I tell you what, Joe, we can go back and we can even say Jaws never gave up. That shark never gave up, right? That shark, they, he, I mean, he never quit, right? Now, I don't know why, but it wasn't until they blew him up and then shocked him and then shot him and then, I don't know, he died like six times, or though maybe those relatives that uh, kept coming after people. I'm uh, thinking, yeah, he was he wasn't Jason. It, it, uh, they were, it had to have been relatives because by Josh uh, 5300, uh, it, it, the actual thing was like it, this time, this time it's personal. They yeah, chased the Brody family into the Jamaica, into yeah. Jamaica. Yeah, that was insane. I mean, I, I that, that was very personal. I think between Jaws and, and the Brody family, but he refused to. Folks, we're joking. Quit looking at the screen and going, "Are these guys serious right now?" No, we're we're not we're not serious. We're just adding a little bit of our own stupid humor to the show today. But you know, we're talking about quitting and giving up. What are the differences, and are we allowing our kids? Um, more of an opportunity to quit today than we did in the past. And a lot of people, you know, uh, there's this, Joe, there's this headbutting that goes on between the people that raised us and Generation Z. So you get the baby boomers and you get Generation Z. There's two generations in between these two. There's the millennials and there's us, there's Generation X. And we kind of are like in a tennis match watching the baby boomers who can't stand being called boomer, which is what Generation Z calls them, right? Their grandparents and their great-grandparents, they call them boomer. Uh, they joke with me at work and call me boomer, and I'm like, you got the wrong generation, but that's cool. Um, do whatever, do you, all right? Uh, but you, you, they, they, they butt heads and they go at it constantly because the baby boomers feel that Generation Z are quitters, that they have no work ethic, that they're lazy, that they have no drive, no motivation, no passion, and no desire to get anything done, and they want everything handed to them. That's how a baby boomer looks at Generation Z. Generation Z looks at at baby boomers like um, absolutely ridiculous in their thought process, um, uh, a thing of the past, an old relic. Um, they need to just simply walk around and will themselves around in their wheelchairs and their canes and they need to just be silent in their nursing homes. This is how they actually, you know, this is how they view them. And uh, I got to tell you, Generation Z, I- I'm all for you. But sometimes when I hear you guys say stuff like that, uh, we are raised by boomers. You might want to be careful. <laughs> they, they, they don't take that stuff very lightly, uh, for sure. Uh, and these are people that were raised by, in my opinion, the greatest generation, right? Uh, when it comes to the boomers being raised by, obviously, our grandparents from the 30s and the 40s and the 20s. So, you know, Generation Z, I guess, is on the clock here. 
with are they quitting too easy? But I think we have to look at the the dynamic of everything, Joe. Uh, and where I'll start that today is there anything you want to add to what I just said there before I go into the two the two different age groups I want to talk about? No, none yet. None yet. I think you're. You know what? I I don't like this studio you're in right now already. You're too comfortable. You're too relaxed in your green, I know, green I'm all, studio. I'm all, I'm all leaned back and I could just kind of just relax. And it is kind of nice. Usually I got to sit for my back's killing me after a while. I can't wait till the episode's over. But today, yeah, it's off the cuff. Go ahead. Yeah. Huh. Okay. The 20s, meaning not the 1920s, people who are in their 20s. I think that what a lot of people look at is this, 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 has, this does hold true. People a long time ago were having kids at a very young age, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, married already. It was not, you think about it, Joe, before our time even, it was not uncommon to get married at age 18. Um, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't uncommon to have kids at 19, 20, 21 years old. And a lot of families were having kids in their very early 20s. I mean, people would be 22, 23, 24 years old and already have two kids, sometimes three. And people were having kids relatively young. And then they were still relatively young when those kids left the nest. There were people that were in their mid-40s to late 40s and already had two or three grandkids. And so that wasn't that was not very uncommon. Well, here was my take on this. Having kids that young, you're still a kid yourself as far as I'm concerned. So if you're having kids, and you'll see, folks, you'll see where this gets to the, the quitting part. If you're having kids at 21, 22, 23 years old, you're still trying to figure yourself out. I remember being 22 years old. I was not ready to have children at 22 years old. I just started working at General Motors uh, in in May or April of 93. I was about 22 and a half. There was no way I was ready to start having children. And if I did, I still had, was, was a child myself. Now, I'm not saying you don't begin to change your thinking process once you have children. That, that that changes everything for you. But nonetheless, you're still developing your brain. You're still understanding life situations and still getting to know them. And I'm sorry, but at that age, Joe, it's almost like you know for a fact that the kids, more times than not, in my opinion, are going to have to basically, I don't want to say raise themselves, but they are going to be making a lot of different decisions when their parents are that young that kids whose parents are inter- they're in their mid-30s to late-30s uh, will not be making. And that is my own personal opinion because, I mean, when you think about it, uh, the kids, when a parent is that young and they're trying to figure out their own lives, you may be doing whatever it is, the, the, the direct necessity to raising a child, when it comes to diaper changing, bottle feeding, you know, putting the child to bed, um, and things of that nature, <laughs> making sure they're wearing their clothes, right? Putting their clothes on them, buying their clothes, making sure they're in the home. But you're not doing things in terms of teaching life lessons because you yourself are still, you're still learning life lessons. You're trying to figure this whole thing out together. I see a lot of times you see people that had children at a very young age. And now they're partying with them. Like the mom is 39 and the daughter is 20. And they're out at the club together. 
my best friend. Folks, I'm going to tell you this right now. I can't stand that. I'm going to tell you this right now. This whole thing, your child is your best friend. I, I'm. You could be as mad as, at me as you want. No, they're not. They're your child. Your best friends are all those people you grew up with and hung out with, did stupid things with, learned how to do things the right way together, made mistakes together, grew together. Those are your friends. Those are your best friends. The people you're raising to understand life and to take life on and take take the bull by the horns and, and take on life and learn how to succeed through failure and how to overcome adversity and persevere, those are not your best friends. Those are your children. And if you don't agree with me, that's fine. But this whole thing that you go on social media, me and my best friend out having drinks, uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. But, but, you know, if, if that's that's how you feel, that's fine. But you have to listen to what I'm saying because of your proximity to this speaker system and the fact that I have a mic. Uh, and and so, by all means, if there's a different avenue that you take or you you a, a different belief system. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, truly, I have no problem with listening to your thoughts and opinions on that. It's just that I feel that that's just the way it it should be. They're they're your children, not your best friends. So, kid, people are in their in their twenties, Joe, when they're having kids at this age, and uh, not all the time, but a lot of the time, I feel like those kids may actually now hear me out here. This may sound crazy. They may actually quit less than the kids of the parents who are having their kids when they're in their 30s. Now, follow me here. The kids, in, when their parents are younger, they have to learn and overcome adversity a lot of times on their own. A lot of times when they have siblings, it's almost like they're with their siblings and they're socializing with their siblings more than they are with their parents. Their parents are still doing their thing, all right? You see this all the time. You see the young generation who has children. They're always out every weekend. They're always going places. They're always doing things. They're doing it with their kids. They're raising their kids to the point that they need to raise their kids, okay? But they're also still living the life of a 22-year-old. And so they're not offering that worldly advice, that good advice uh, when kids are younger. And so- a lot of times you see kids with family, you know, you get families, Joe, with four or five kids, all right? And, uh, you know, sometimes even more than that. I know a lot of families um, with eight kids, you know? I know one particular family in the 70s and early 80s that had eight kids. We'll leave that there and off the cuff. Uh, but, um, folks, if you're Generation X and you have no idea what I'm talking about, I want your card back right now. Just mail it to me. Um, Joe, do you know who I'm talking about when I said that? Please tell me yes. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Uh, okay. So anyway, um, when you have families with that many kids, those kids socialize each other uh, when you think about it. I'm not even talking about always eight. But like, I know a ton of families with at least four or five children in it. And those kids basically learn from each other more so. And more times than not, their, their parents are very young uh, to be able to have that many children in a certain amount of time when you're in your childbearing years as a mother. So so these kids are working to, to, to socialize each other and understand each other, and they actually toughen each other uh, because obviously there's those sibling rivalries as well. 
So I feel like at the younger age with a lot of kids, they're the most, they have the best chance of succeeding and not quitting because they're going to go through a lot more because also you have to keep this in mind. The younger parents with more kids, in my opinion, more times than not, do not have the resources to get their kids involved in so many different things all the time, right? Because it costs what? Money. And a lot of times at a lot younger age, you're not where you want to be in terms of promotion, where you want to be in terms of job. Sometimes you're even still in college before, and you've already have a five and a three-year-old while you're in college, uh, maybe even a seven-year-old on top of it. So, so with that being said, these kids have to learn how to overcome and be resilient over time without all those valuable resources that are offered to them simply because their parents are still growing, still learning, and still trying to get to that point where they can get those types of resources. Unfortunately, by the time they are in their mid-30s to late 30s, their child is already off to college. And not saying it's unfortunate, I'm saying that kid may have a better chance at not quitting because they had to learn the hard way on how to get to where they're at now. When you're in your 30s, anything you want to add to that? Go ahead. Still comfortable. He's so comfortable today, ladies and gentlemen. It's a good thing. Hang on one second here while I take a sip of this wonderful amino drink. We'll talk about that someday. I wonder how that's going to sound on the microphone. I don't know. But um, uh, we talk about people that are raising children in their 30s. Okay. So now this is a different story. I myself was in my late 30s when I had my first child. Uh, not necessarily by choice. Uh, I wanted to have children when I was a little bit younger, but uh, it didn't work out that way. And I was a little bit older. I had my first child when I was 39. Talk about, you know, I had my second child when I was 42. That's really, I'm an older parent. I'm definitely an older parent. My youngest is 10 years old right now and I'm 52. So there's some good and there's some bad, obviously, when you're older uh, and you are having children. Um, something that I look at, okay, this is where there might be a negative. When you are, you, when you have your parents that are having children in their thirties, as opposed to the ones we were talking about in their twenties, especially when it's an only child, Joe, when it's just one kid, there's no siblings. You are not only able to provide more valuable resources, okay, because you are well-established in whatever Whatever you're getting into in life, you are usually established in. Uh, you already have that, that you know, you're, you may be established in, in, a, in a wonderful 401k plan. You may also be established in a job where you've already got your promotion. You're already sitting at a, at a certain level where you, um, more income and you're able to provide that one child with everything and anything they need. Sometimes I think we overdo it. Sometimes I think when you have that one child or maybe two children and you're able to provide the extensive resources that they need to attend every camp out there, play all, all year long, January through December, whatever sports they're playing, whatever instruments they're, they're, they're practicing January through December, on top of 15 other programs and other camps and other clinics and everything you're putting them in 24-7, 12 months out of the year, I think it almost promotes sometimes a better avenue for the child 
to want to quit because they're overwhelmed by what is going on. And, and because they're provided with everything they need, they don't understand a struggle. They don't understand persevering through adversity. They don't understand failing in order to succeed. And I'm not talking about they lost the baseball game so they failed before. I'm talking about what I'm talking about when we were talking about the people who grow up with really young parents who are still trying to find themselves, let alone raise children. I'm talking about those kids where they have to learn how to raise themselves for the most part because the parents are working. Both parents are working, are going to school, are still doing what 21 and 22 and 23-year-olds do as they still try to find themselves as a human being. And those kids have to figure out a lot of stuff in the beginning. Don't tell me, no, they don't. Yes, they do. Kids who have parents that young, I guarantee you know how to cook. Way younger in life than kids who have parents in their 30s who have all the necessary resources for this child and provide everything that child needs 24-7, seven days a week, 12 months a year. So that being said, I truly believe that the kids who are constantly bombarded with everything they need and don't know how to provide for themselves, and they are provided with safe spaces and trigger points, we'll talk a little bit about that, I think the word quit comes into their head a lot more than the Rocky Balboas, right? Than than the Rudys who had, how many brothers did he have in his family and sisters? How many, there were a lot of kids in that family. And he was brought up in a factory where all him and his brothers were working in there in high school and, and then moving on in life. And it's a different, it's a different mindset. It's a different mindset altogether when it comes to Kids who are raised by young, young parents as opposed to kids who are raised by older parents. I think the ones with the younger parents are more resilient and the quit attitude happens a lot less. Not all the time, but a lot less. That's my opinion on that part. Yeah, so, you know, we, we've always had this rule within our family and then we've, we've brought it into our families. Uh, you know, once you start a sport, once you start it on a team, that's it. You're in it. You're in it till the end, till the end of that season. Regardless, there is no one good reason. I think there was actually one good reason at one point with my eldest where they, they abolished his actual team and moved them up the next to the next level. So technically his season was done. <laughs> he, he wasn't a starter, so he really didn't want to play. And I'm like, all right, may have found one little loophole here, okay? Because technically his season was done. So I think I let that one slide. But recently, um, I had CJ come up to me, uh, my, my, well, my eldest in the house, okay? And and uh, he thought he was going to find some gray area as well. Uh, because we've done this before. Sorry, you know, he, he was playing for a sport and and in the middle of it all, it's just kind of like, not me. And I'm like, yeah, you're committed. Sorry, kid. And I told you before you even started, you know. So he knew I was very serious about it. And just recently, he says, you know, listen, I, I want to I wanna play football, but is it okay? Like, what if I just try it out and, and just see? Because like, maybe I won't like the coaches, which I looked at him and said, okay. He says, then, and then would it, would it be okay if I, if I quit then? Like, I, I didn't really start, but I, I said, nope, 
you put one foot on the field, one foot in the gym, one foot on the diamond, you're in it. That's it. And I explained it to him. You know, listen, you can't go there and give people the, uh, you're going to imply that you're going to actually be a part of this team and then decide, ah, well, I said, you know what, CJ, look, if you love something, you won't care if you think the coaches are trash, right? His thing, as you and I both know, is basketball, basketball, basketball. It wouldn't matter if his coaches were horrible. He's playing ball. Like he loves the sport. So if you're telling me you want to get on the uh, get on the field and play, you know, football, and you just want to kind of, then your heart's not in it to begin with. Don't do that to the team. Don't do that to everybody else who has now this expectation for you. Um, you know, don't do that. Um, and and that's just in the here and now. Now for you and I, mature, rational. Logical, logical thinking adults, we could actually say, you know, I would like to try something out. And if I don't like it, then perhaps it's not for me. Okay. But we're also adults at this point. We know the difference between commit, you know, but once you tell somebody that you're going to do something, isn't that kind of the, that's sort of the, 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 the lesson to be learned here. So I don't want him believing that, well, if I don't fully commit, I can always kind of back out and but what if what it's like now you're looking for scenarios to back out, you know what I mean? And and I don't like that. You're you're looking for a way to make an excuse. And does and what does that bleed over into? Does that stop with sports? What's the next thing going to be? You know, uh, even even when when somebody's asking you to do something for them, and you're like, ah, sure. And the whole time you're trying to think of a way that that you know you're going to find some some uh, uh, easy excuse or what have you to back out of it. Now people are depending on you. So, you know, because we all know that that sports have these life lessons embedded in them. And I feel like even even the 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 part where people want to quit or they want to back out of it, I, I think that that is a big life lesson as well. It is. Uh, you know, we, we did a show, and some people might be saying this, but we did a show, uh, audio only, and it was several seasons ago. Uh, it was called I Quit. If you scroll back, ladies and gentlemen, there it is in quotes, I quit. That was my, uh, about me growing up, all the way till I was age 27. Makes sense, according to what I said earlier on in the show. Right. Uh, I definitely was not ready in my tw- in my mid early, mid-20s to raise children. It wasn't until I was 27 that I started understanding that whole concept. And I talked about I quit, meaning... I never went back and did another season or another session afterward. Um, But I had to finish what I started. I started football season. I couldn't quit until the season was over. And then I could, I could say, I'm not going out next year. Um, If I did a year of Greek school, I had to finish that year. And then I could decide whether or not I'm going to do another year. So I had to finish whatever segment I was in, whatever portion of that particular adventure um, I was in, and then I can make a decision. To me, it was quitting uh, because I didn't finish the whole thing. Like if you started football at this age, you should finish it all the way through. Where it, So to me, um, and that's a bit harsh probably uh, to say that, you know, well, if you start football when you're in the third grade and you don't finish at the senior year of high school level, then you quit. Um so, I mean, that's a little harsh. Uh, but if it's a program that's a six-year six, week, six year program 
and every year it stops for the summer and then starts again, and you decide whether or not you're going to go to the next level. ROTC. I had a full ride in front of me scholarship coming out of high school. That's right. Full ride scholarship coming out of high school. I took the first two years and I had to complete those two years. After my sophomore year of college, Major Weeks came to me and I talked about it in that show, Joe, and said to me, we would like to offer you the final two years and here's the stipulations. The stipulations are, if you take it, and I can't remember exactly what the what the what my commitment would be. I believe it was after I graduated, it would be as a second lieutenant in the United States Army. I would have had to have done four years of active duty, and then I believe two years of um um. Why am I going to go blank here? Reserve duty, reserve time. Yeah, so so six years total. And I don't know if I would have liked it enough to make a career out of it and retire at age 38, 39 from the United States Army. But no, I turned it down. I had to finish the first two years. I wasn't allowed to quit that. But then when I sat down to talk about signing up for the next two years, I said no. As far as I'm concerned, I quit. Probably in the top three dumbest decisions I've ever made in my life. You know, At age, go ahead. Let, let, let me ask you, because I, 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 I seem to remember, and I, maybe I've just always believed the wrong thing, like kind of thought this in my head, but I know that this was an issue for you as well. Um, <laughs> I know where you're going with this, but go ahead. One of the reasons why Coach Tony decided he didn't want to do this anymore was because of the fact that he would have to cut his hair yeah, I, I knew you were going there. I knew and, you were going there. And I remember that. And and listen, it gets worse in this whole story because our, not only does he obviously cut his hair, but also, and it's funny, not funny, funny now. I mean, all these years have passed, you know, so it's it's kind of a funny story. But It's a life lesson. Yeah. Uh, they pulled out. He wouldn't have had to complete the final two years. They pulled out of the college and would not have had to even complete those final two years. No, that wasn't until after. I would have already been graduated. Okay. I thought, yeah. I, now, see, that's why I, I knew there was something yeah. in there that maybe I was led to believe differently or I, uh, that was actually, in my head. I yeah, knew that, that was, they pulled out, but I didn't yeah. know if that, uh, I thought it was they pulled out and then you would have even had to complete the the, the two years. ROTC because obviously they didn't exist anymore there. Yeah, it was it was quite a bit after. It was several years later, um, and uh, because uh, I don't know when that was, and I don't know how that would have worked if I would have had the full ride. Would I have had to go on to another university to complete my scholarship? I don't know. Have no idea how that would have worked. That was way back in nineteen ninety ninety one. I would have been in Desert Storm. Um, that most likely would have been a situation, uh, or maybe not. I wouldn't have been graduated yet, actually. Uh, I still would have been in my junior, senior year of college. But the point being that that is just one example of when you're younger making, I mean, I made decisions over my haircut. I mean, and, and now karma got me. <laughs> if that, if the, you know, um, and you know what else? I got mad. Folks, this is a true story. I got mad because uh, my dad kept showing, dad Joe kept showing me how to shine my boots. Because they wanted them done a different, uh, like a specific way. 
And I, I, I never, and I can't remember um, the other major's name that, that would get on my case in PT constantly. I had to do more push-ups. I had to run the park one extra time um, because my boots were never. And, and our father would show me on one boot and then I would have to do the other boot myself. And the boot that I would do was, I, I don't you know, it would be the boot that would always be not up to standard. My dad had, he, had, he was up. The major would always say, your left boot looks fantastic. Your right boot does not. That's another 100 push-ups. Take a lap around the park. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm over this. And, and, and I had to finish the two-year scholarship. And then I didn't go back. It, it, again, it goes to show you, you look back at life lessons. And, and like I said, that, that epiphany I had at age 27 uh, that I talk about in, in the show. And I, I think one of the biggest things, before we go to an ad from our sponsor today, and anything you might want to add also, Joe, um, do you want to add it now or do you want to add it uh, when we come back? No, I was just going to say you're talking about a spit shot. We had to do that for uh, uh, any time we had uniform inspection at the SO. Uh, you know, we, we had one corporal who was there and he was very, uh, he was really big into the law, having the high gloss shine, you know, and you, you could just get by getting the patent leather shoes, you know, with the real super shiny shoes, you know, and you really didn't want to do that anyhow because, dear God, working in the jail, your feet would be killing you by the end of the day. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a certain technique and a lot of patience and a lot of elbow grease involved. Apparently, I didn't have it, so I, I, in my opinion, I quit uh, by not going back for the second two years to go to school for free. <laughs> Just that made no sense. Do I have my degree? I do now, folks. Yes, I've had my degree for a while, but uh, not not when I should have had it uh, for sure. But I I didn't quit. I went back and and I, I got it for sure. But um, I think the biggest thing before we go to to a, a break here uh, to hear from our sponsor, the biggest thing is, and this is why one of the biggest reasons why I do. We talked about our why in a in a recent episode, and I always think about that I quit show. I always think about all the things that I in my head quit growing up. And one of the biggest reasons why I'm so hard on people or I'm so hard on my children more than anything, uh, Jacob and Jordan, or why I'm hard on my athletes is because I'm always afraid, especially for my kids and my athletes who are also my kids for one hour every time I I work with them in a session. uh, I don't ever want them to wake up at age 52 and ask themselves one simple question, Two words. What if? That is by far, that could be a whole show, Joe. What if could be, what if? Yes, you better believe it. I'm writing oh, it down right now. There's there's so much I can talk about what if. I, I mean, that, that would go just so hand in hand, even with my fear of anxiety episode that I did in, in the first season. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's one of the biggest reasons why. So before we, we're going to go to an ad here, but, but please understand what, what our reasoning is behind this show. It's not to attack parents who are in their thirties, as opposed to parents who are in their twenties. We're looking at the dynamics and how this might be. All this is right now, it's a, it's a discussion. It's an observation. 
And and we're making one observation where there may be uh, social workers and clinical psychologists and uh, inspirational speakers who who dive into this a lot more. I bet you Jordan Peterson has a million things to say when it comes to this. And just his voice alone uh, would sound better. It would no matter what, he, he could make no sense at all. And it still sounds like it makes a ton of sense. So I'm sure they could throw so much more into this, but we're just giving one or two observations as to what may be the biggest reasons why kids quit today. And I feel like that whole thing about having kids younger as opposed to having them older, having more siblings as opposed to an only child in the family, uh, when you combine all these dynamics together, who has the harder road and has to teach themselves how to persevere through, you know, and be resilient? And who has the easy hand-me-outs? And when it comes time to live life, is in their safe space and doesn't know how to overcome that. But that being said, before we get into this any further, we're going to hear from our sponsor. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Two Brothers, One Mike is sponsored by Kitchen Apps, perfectly prepared portions. Hey, Youngstown area listeners, I know we've talked about Kitchen Abs in the past and all they have to offer in food prepping services and protein pancake mixes, but there's another great product they offer we had to let our listeners know about, their own name brand seasonings. They've got a huge selection to choose from as well. Turkey, taco, tomato, basil, Baja, citrus, fajita, barbecue rub, blackened seasoning, as well as steak and meat seasons. And that's just to name a few. You know my favorite part? Besides all of the flavors, of course. It's that they're all low sodium, made with no fillers and MSG free. Know what else is great about them? You can order them right from the Kitchen Abs website. Just go to www.kitchenabs.com. Click on store and choose the flavors of your choice. Again, that's kitchenabs.com. Now back to our podcast. Welcome back, everybody. So, Joe, in the first segment, we this is an off-the-cuff show today. I, I Folks... We had planned on doing something else today, but that's going to end up happening probably a little bit later on uh, in the season, most likely in this particular season. Not sure yet, but th- this is one of the things about podcasting. You have to be ready at all times, and we literally decided two hours ago, three hours ago maybe, Joe? Uh, we had a maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, we decided we're going to have to go in a different direction for today um, because we had some things change on us. So, so we're making uh, uh, a maneuver here in an off-the-cuff special where we usually like to have uh, some notes so we know exactly where we're going with this. But no notes today, man. We're just going. We're going for it. I'm going to actually write the notes to this show after we do the show, Joe. Now, that's a first. That's a first. Do you have the notes yet? No, I'm going to write them after we're done. Um, and it'll be easy though. Cause I'll just write about, yeah, cause, because I'll just write about what we talked about. Um, so there's that, which means nobody cares. <laughs> Let's talk about this real quick. We've been talking about this concept a lot lately. Um, in several different shows, is it a parenting thing in terms of the kids watching the parents? And then basically taking on that that same demeanor, that same lifestyle. I quit. The dad quits everything he does. The mom quits everything she does. I don't care if it's um, you start planting a garden 
and making the garden and you quit and you got a, a, a hole of dirt out there and one tomato plant uh, because you never finished the garden. Or if you just keep quitting every job you go to. And I mean, I know people that have quit like six, seven jobs in one year. Um, it's just crazy. If you ask me anything, you're quitting on a consistent basis. Joe, your opinion, obviously, you didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night. You did not play a clinical psychologist on TV. You're just giving your observation, and you have the floor because of your proximity to that microphone in front of you. Could it be that, and let's say for all of your children, if they see both you and Cindy, Cindy is Joe's wife, quitting everything you start on a regular basis, can that trigger them to feel that that's the norm and do the same thing. Absolutely. 1000%. I came across something that, uh, um, you know, we, we've, we did talk about this in the past about, uh, you know, uh, I believe it was our, our episode with, uh, Dr. Nicole Rantilla, uh, just recently, uh, I'd mentioned about, you know, that there were certain things that we, that, that we see and, and then we, uh, uh start to believe them. And I, it was beautifully written, uh, in, and, well, I don't know about beautiful, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, it says, what we hear affects what we know. What we know influences what we believe. What we believe impacts what we do. So, especially as children who are impressionable, when you're when they're seeing this all the time, it, it just goes right down the hill and becomes something that they now believe. It becomes their own little belief system, the thing that they're going to, uh, well, I mean, so-and-so did it, so why why couldn't I? And I I'd mentioned that before, and that's when she said how we're always looking for the approval from like our, our parents and adults. I don't know if you remember that. Um, and, and same thing applies here. So naturally, if uh, you know, we lead by example in our homes. And when our children see us do any sort of action, uh, not just quit, um, whatever it may be, they want to, a lot of times, it isn't that they want to do it because you did it, but they feel like it's the rite of passage or they feel as if though um, it must be okay. Mom and dad do it. Why, why, why can't I? Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with that statement. Um, well, there was more than one statement there, but I, I agree with the overall gist of what you just said. Um, I think it always sits in the back of my mind. Uh, some people will say, and again, this is, you know, for a different show, but I left Youngstown, Ohio, where I worked for General Motors when they closed. And I came up to Lansing where it was one of the two closest spots so that I can go back and forth between Youngstown and Lansing on weekends, holidays, uh, with my seniority, I can place my vacations um, uh, so that uh, they're benefiting me in such a way where I get extra days off to be back home. My children come up here. Uh, it's, it's not impossible for all these things to happen. And they've happened over the last four years, a lot. Um, sometimes my neighbors back at home, in you know, in Youngstown, Ohio, uh, in my town, I live in Campbell, Ohio. They, they always ask me, are you here now for good? Or are you up in Lansing? I see you constantly. And that's because I make a point to be home as much as I can. And a lot of people said to me, why didn't you just quit? And go do something right around, you know, where, where you're, where you're from. 
one, there's, there's, there's several reasons. One of the biggest reasons, not the biggest show, one of the biggest reasons is because I do not want my 13-year-old and my 10-year-old to think that when you're that close, because folks, at this point, I'm probably within one to two years of retirement with a full pension, being completely transparent here. I don't want my kids to see me quit something that I've put 25 years into, not to finish what I started and to overcome anything that is in my way, any obstacle is, and I'm going to tell you something, not only is this rough for me at times, but it is extremely rough for both my children and their mom and parents, meaning her parents, my parents, uh, the, the guy right there who I might need, um, the guy you're looking at, uh, who I might need to help me out. I need you. Can you run here and do this for me? Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Um, the babysitters, friends, all these people that are playing a part and a role in helping us in this journey that I'm on right now. Um, it, it's it's putting all of them uh, on on you know in unfortunate circumstances at times. So if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it till the end. And I'm not going to quit. And so uh, that's something that some 25 years ago, I changed how how I approach things when it comes to quitting. Uh, and there was there was that was in my head the whole time. I'm not going to quit now what I started that long ago. And I'm going to finish what I started. And so as a parent, I want my kids to see that. I want I do. I want my kids to to see me doing that. I think all parents at times, if you're doing something you, not so much, sometimes it's it's either something you have an obligation to, it may not be the greatest thing. I was not born to build things while they're moving. That was not my, my dream in life or my passion, but it is a source of, of, of beneficial income to me that will go on with me even after I walk away from it and and chase my dreams and my passions that I do, I'm doing right now. What I'm doing right now, talking to you, this is a passion. This is a dream. Okay. Um, what I do, uh, in terms of, uh, building cars, I got to tell you, it's a little more intriguing than, than a lot might think, but it's not me. It's not, it's really not me. Um, there's some aspects about it. I like, there's a lot of aspects about it. I don't like, and um, it's not my passion or my drive or my opportunity. It's my obligation. And I'm going to finish it and see it out. And one of the biggest reasons, again, is because I want my kids to understand sometimes things happen and you have to learn how to overcome any adversity in order not to quit to see things through. And so I do think that that's something that will help them down the road in my own personal. I'll tell you this, I, and when you were just saying that, I don't know why, but it just popped in my mind about, oh, I want to say about a year and a half, two years ago, I had a buddy of mine who, I don't even, I, I remember how we 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 met, um, but but it was over some contest uh, that they were running at that fruit market that I that I was doing work for, and uh, he won, and and so it, it, somehow it just evolved into this friendship and and real nice kid and. Uh, uh, come to find out some time later here, he's had cancer for years. It's 
not going away. It's it's something that he has to deal with, and uh, it's, I believe it's uh, probably some form of blood cancer. Um, and so, but it got to a point about a year and a half or so ago where he was just ready to, I'm done, can't do it anymore. And, you know, we got to talking about it and I said, look, you know, he, he, I told, you know, I said, listen, man, because he has a son, he has a young son. I said, you know, almost verbatim what you were just saying. I said, yeah. I, I know it's easy for me to say, I'm not going through the struggle that you are, but I know for a fact how much you love your kid. Okay. But think about the legacy you're passing on. You're right, Sean. You may, <laughs> I just gave out his name, but that's okay. It's only his first name. I said, yeah. you're right, Sean. You, 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 you may not, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> God only knows you may beat the cancer and you, God forbid, get in a car accident. We don't know when our time, when our number is up. Okay. Right. But, but the fact is, no, you may not be be old enough to 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 see your your son grow up, or and that wasn't any of his complaint. But my point was, we don't know how much time we have. Uh, but the legacy that you're going to leave behind, which would you rather it be, that dad just gave up, or that dad fought tooth and nail to stay alive to see his son as much as possible, and he uh, he 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 took the higher road, and here we are, and he's I don't I mean he's not better. Uh, again, I, I don't believe he's ever going to be able to be full 1000%, you know, healthy, but, um, is it found his, his drive found his, uh, uh, you know, his drive to keep it going, keep it moving, you know, and, and because boy, you lose your will to live, you know, I mean, that's, you know, that, 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 uh, that's sort of end. That's just the end of the line, especially when you're going to stop. He's, he was going to stop foregoing treatment. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it just, uh, the, 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 out, the outcome would have been pretty obvious at that point. People will ask me, you know, how are you doing this? Um, I, 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 I thank you very much is in my mind in my heart, I should say, but in my mind, I'm like, please quit saying this to me. My heart bleeds for you. They say this to me and I always say, why does your heart bleed for me? Well, you know, what you're going through, you know, back and forth between Lansing. Now, did you hear what you just, folks, did you hear what the story Joe just gave? There's always somebody dealing with a little bit more uh, than you are. Um, I, I've just had some very... Uh, Bad things uh, happened to coworkers. Uh, a coworker of mine lost her brother in a horrible accident. Um, Thirty years old, a one-year-old, and his wife is seven months pregnant, and he hit a deer, didn't survive. Now, it's horrible. I mean, that's like we said, we don't know when our time is up. But think about all the dynamics there to that situation. And you always, that always floors me. I go numb because I think to myself, there's no complaining. I, I always try to tell myself, quit, quit complaining in your brain, quit acting like you're not going to make this happen. Keep pushing, keep driving, pray over it, figure it out and keep moving because somebody else is dealing with just a little, I, I like to just keep it simple and say just a little bit more. Um, and that's just one, those are just two examples. The one you gave, the one I just talked about, 
And so if, if it's something that you feel that you, you know that you want to finish and, or if it's a passion and a desire of yours to finish and you are thinking about quitting or thinking about giving up, think about these situations out there and what some of these people go through in life, what some people have gone through. And maybe it's something that you have gone through and you, you've overcome it. Maybe you need to look at that and say, if I could overcome that, I can overcome this. And, and, and that's just one way to motivate yourself. Self-motivation is, is a thing. It's a huge benefit to have. And just always understanding that things could be worse uh, at any given minute. So take what you have in front of you and, and you know, take life by the horns and, and go after it. And make quitting not an option. But here's the thing, Joe. There might be times when you do quit. And you talked about this in the show where I talked all about quitting too. And the difference between quitting and, um, and giving up. Uh, so sometimes quitting, ladies and gentlemen, is something that you might have to do because the conditions are not favorable to your well-being. I'll give an example. And I'm literally throwing this off the top of my You want to talk about off the cuff? Bullying. If you're in a situation where you've got two or three people on a team, I'm just going with with this scenario. On a team or in an organization with you and you guys are all on the same board and there's a constant bullying going on and the person in charge is not going to do anything about it and it's getting to the point where it's getting semi-physical, it's getting absolutely ridiculous, things are going on in front of your children you don't like, or if you're younger and you're on a team and they're doing things that are completely um, unacceptable in nature, in any way, shape, or form. And the coaches aren't going to do anything about it, and the principal is not going to do anything about it, and the parents are trying to get involved. And I've seen this happen. Okay, this is why I can I could talk about this. Quitting may have to be an option and finding a different avenue, if it's something you love to do, where you find it in a better spot in order for yourself to be able to persevere through whatever adversity you're dealing with. Um, I know, Joe, you talked about that before when it comes to quitting. And I think the difference between quitting, not giving up, giving up is when you're doing something you love, but there's a voice inside your head telling you you're not good enough to do it. There's a voice inside your head saying, just, just give up, just quit. You're not, you're not, that person's better than you are. That person's better than you are. That person's better than you are. You're, you you could practice all you want. You're never going, instead of saying to yourself, I'm going to be the best me. That's great that they're great at what they're doing and they're great at what they're doing. I'm going to be the best me and give everything I have because I love doing this. And so that's, I, I believe, the difference between quitting and, and the right time to quit and the wrong time to quit. And then giving up, which to me is, in my head, saying something you love to do, but there's a little voice talking to you. There's that on your shoulder, just whispering in your ear, you're not good enough. And when you let that talk to you, or when you let that little voice talk to you, that's the wrong road. Get off that road immediately and get back in the game. That is what I feel uh, people need to do in order to find whatever avenue they're looking for to make them the best they can be. That's that's where I leave that portion of the show today. Your thoughts, comments, opinions, 
I think I just gave, I think I was just doing your- Pretty much. Uh, my, yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I was just going to ask, are we wrapping up the show or? <laughs> uh, you know, we got, not, we got an off the cuff to do yet. <laughs> I, uh, uh, so easy to get Bible on that whole thing, you know, that, that little voice that's talking. Yeah, listen, yeah. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this. There's, there, there's, 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 you know, a thousand and one verses that you can look up, uh, as our pastor calls it on Rabbi Google about negative self-talk. Uh, but I'll tell you this, a lot of the times, in fact, all right, I even say 51 per, at least, at least 51% of the time, if you have a little voice in your head, that's telling you you're not good enough. Whatever it is that you're doing, you're about to make a great impact at it. And you need to try all the harder in whatever area it is. Um, you know, I, I, there's things that I've taken on and that I've given up and I've come back to. And had I never given up in the first place, I would have been how much further ahead? Uh, you know, it just, I, it, I, can, I can definitely speak from experience on that. But uh, certainly, certainly, there's a reason why that voice perks up in your mind um and you just have to learn uh to, i personally i pray over it um i pray through it put it that way and uh just persevere persevere through it i i if people were wondering what's he writing down over there uh obviously the first thing i wrote down was um that whole thing about another show uh that we can do that we just thought of as we were talking today and then I just wrote down in quotes, so easy to get Bible over it. Uh, I absolutely loved it. And uh, I think if we get that shirt with all of our sayings, that's got to go on there. So easy to get Bible over it. Um, you, you have to put that quote in there. Did you make that? Now, you can be honest with me. Did you just make that up off the cuff just now? No, I wish I, I, oh. wish I could take full credit for it. I can't. I can't. But uh, obviously, it it's not out there. I mean... I don't know that you're the, uh, you know, the sale, the, the, the be all, whatever I'm looking for, the authority as to what the popular sayings are or not, but you never heard it. So as far as you're concerned, yes, yeah. yes, I did. So easy to get Bible. I, 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 I that, that's got to go on the shirt. I keep writing this stuff down. That's got to go on the shirt. Off the cuff. Uh, well, we, we've been off the cuff, but I said we were going to bring this show up because I'll tell you what, I, I know a guy who, I think he was having children from the age of 15 all the way to the age of 45 um, because the eldest seemed way older than the youngest in this show. I believe it happened, uh, it was in the 1970s when the show started. And Dick Van Patten, I think, was was the father in the show. Everybody knows the show, Eight is Enough. And um, I remember there wasn't a mom, but I can't remember, Joe, if she had passed away in the right... In, the writers of the show had her as passed away um, after the youngest was born, which I believe his name was Nicholas in the show. Um, I don't remember, but it was just the dad. And you had David was the oldest, and then you had Mary, Susan, Tommy, Nicholas, and I can't remember the other three. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you, but I know you I know you have no I don't I even forgot Nicholas's name. I, I Yeah, I remember Well. Well, fortunately for him, I mean, David and 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 the oldest sister, I Mary, mean, Mary. Yeah, they were pretty much the parents. Of, yeah, I mean, of course, Dad was still Dad, but they were able to parent the other one, so he had some help. Yeah, that was the thing. David was so much older than Nicholas, 
And and that was that you know that's the example I'm I'm talking about where when you have a family with in this case it was one parent and it wasn't I'll tell you when it came to whether or not he had the funds in order to um, be able to pay for whatever different programs you have to remember this though folks this shows in the 1970s and early 80s there's no AAU or AAU basketball and uh, constantly all these programs during the summer and it was to school and then uh, if you played a sport and then home um and that's where i think literally 90 percent of the show took place in that house uh that, that's where all the kids were at and um nicholas was basically grew up socializing with his older brothers and sisters and dad came in every now and then to give some good advice but dad seemed to be a very busy guy and i can't remember what his job was in the show but that's just an example of, um, uh, so a single parent, um, I don't know. He had Nicholas probably as a lot older parent. Uh, and, uh, it's just what I'm talking about when I talk about when you have that many siblings around you, you're basically socializing each other to understanding how to become resilient. And, and there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of sibling rivalry, but I don't know that Nicholas had it, uh, because of how much younger he was than all of his brothers and sisters. But you saw the rivalries amongst the older brothers and sisters a lot. Tommy and Susan always. Um, Mary and David, I, you, for the longest time, I, I mean, they were they seemed so much older. I didn't know if they were aunts and uncles. And it didn't realize it at the beginning, but that's actually his oldest two kids. I got to uh, wonder if, if we watched it now, if they would appear to be so much younger, you know? Uh, yeah. Sort of like, sort of like when, when, <laughs> sort of like when you were in high school or in the eighth grade. And the seniors were walking around. And now I look at seniors and I'm like, what? <laughs> you, yeah. You're babies. And now I'm starting to look at professional ball players of any sport. And I'm like, what? what's going on here, man? How, they're supposed to be way older than me. And, and that's not the case anymore. They're way younger. They're way younger now. Yeah. yeah. Nope. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. What happened? Um, I need, you know what? Uh, you know, when Marco Pasquale comes back on, we're going to need to talk to him about maybe getting hold of Michael J. Fox and see if we can't get in that DeLorean, turn this thing back to 1985. Let's head back. Let's just head back. I mean, with the knowledge we have now, let's head back with the knowledge we have now. I don't want to go back to... They would never... Nobody would ever believe anything that we had to say. <laughs> if think? we brought if we brought today's... Now, maybe with the knowledge, but if we brought today's news... Back to '85, we would be the, the, the. Who are these people? We we would be locked up because they. That's what they did back then, right? They they actually had. Uh, we still had the uh, mental hospitals that were meant for mentally ill patients, right? Nowadays they just put you in the county jail, but back then we actually had those hospitals. What's yeah. true story? Uh, you know, but we would be locked up and and be like one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, for sure. For sure. They definitely read a pod podcast. What's a pot? Oh, dude, our pot, we would have the only podcast. We would be. Yeah, with no, but with no server. If Google wasn't around yet. No one would know how to look us up. We would be. Maybe we could bring Google with us. We, we got to bring something with us. Bring our laptops, Google, your microphone. Come on now, figure this out. Um, you're you're the guy. You're the brains behind. You're the technological brains behind the operation. Listen, if we have a DeLorean. If we have a DeLorean that could do it, we, we need like a modem. <laughs> we need like a like a, at least a Wi-Fi. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't, don't know about why. That'd be some serious Wi-Fi to go through time. I would. I'd like to have that Wi-Fi now. Take us out of here. We're where are we going with this? We're out. Take us out of here, folks. Listen about the whole thing about quitting. It, it's there's a difference between quitting and giving up, in our opinion. There is uh, a lot of when you look at the dynamics. Uh, younger, younger parents as opposed to somewhat older parents. Uh, how many kids are in the family? We think that all plays a role in whether or not quitting becomes so advantageous to some kids. Uh, and if they just think that's the avenue all the time. I think we got to make it to a, put this in a situation here where you have to finish what you start. And if it's something that is not beneficial to you, if it's, you know, something that could be harmful in nature to a, to a child's well-being, then maybe that's the situation where stepping away is not the worst thing to do. Um, giving up on something you love, though, don't ever give up on your dreams. That's the worst thing you can do, in my opinion. All right. Well, until next week, I want to remind all of you, be sure to give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or opinions, you can leave us a message via the link in this episode's description. And finally, remember to join us every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for new episodes. Now, on behalf of Coach Tony and myself, thanks for listening. All right, everybody, be the best you out there. Thank you for listening today to this off-the-cuff edition of uh are we allowing our children to quit too easy? We hope you enjoyed the show. Like, share, rate, comment. Let people know about Two Brothers, One Mike. We would love the audience to continue to grow the way it is. Take care, everybody. Joe, telling you right now, this thing goes viral. There's your studio right there for the rest of the duration of Two Brothers, One Mike. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I'm out of here.